invite Pastor Mitch to join me this morning. I see he changed his clothes. You'll figure out why in a minute. He changed his clothes to join us. This is a special shirt given to him last year at our annual meeting as a joke. Because what's the phrase you made famous around here? Finances are fun. Finances are fun. That's his finances are fun shirt. Yes. And, um, and we've been talking. We're going to do... Um, Today, together, obviously, you're up here. Um, you're not just here as a prop. A finances are fun prop. Not totally. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's up here um, because um, we're going to talk about today, starting us something that's going to take us three weeks to talk about not counting Teen Challenge in the middle, that um, is really important, and it's the, the kind of the thing that's kind of a sweet spot for both of us um, in, in understanding and trying to teach and and uh, live out, and that's the, the idea of finances. And we're going to talk about that for a reason. You go, oh, the church is going to talk about money. Um, we're going through the whole COVID thing. Here's the deal. First of all, we talked about, well, this is kind of what happened. We're going through the whole COVID thing. And um, it was immediate that both of us started talking about how this situation has revealed some real issues um, in America and in our own church world life about people's view of finances, their, their view of finances. It, it revealed the reality. Here's, you know, how sometimes, you know, you can talk a good talk, but then something happens and life hits. And what, what, what's that? That's called reality. You hit reality. The wall, you hits reality. And what happened is a lot of people in our country and some in our church and many in our community hit a wall of reality that, sh- that exposed um, thinking about finances and view on finances and the way they structure your life around finances. So we begin to talk. Said, when was the last time that we, as a church, spent some time talking about finances? And we were kind of surprised. Somebody take a guess. When was the last time we did any series about finances? How long? Five years. And so you get you get the prize. So. Um, so five years since we've done any kind of series on finances, and, and we were shocked by that because it's a, it's a topic that's really important, spiritually important, and we're going to talk about that in a while, but we realized we've not talked about this for a while and that, you know, we really need to, that COVID's given us a great opportunity to say, let's talk about finances from a biblical perspective. And, and I wanted to show you that it, it is a biblical perspective, and um, in the Gospel of Mark, boy, it's hard to do anything when you're holding a microphone, isn't it? I'm not used to that. I'm spoiled. Do you need me to turn your pages? I, I, I'm going to try it by myself. Okay, all right. I'm going to try it. I'm going to get there. Okay. I might drop my papers on the floor, there and then we'll, be, then we'll be a mess not knowing where we are. But um, in, the, in the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter, um, somewhere in here, Jesus is faced with a situation, um, and we're going to start looking at verse 13, where... Um, like he often faced, the religious leaders of the days wanted to mess him up. They were always looking to try to mess him up. So a lot of times when they came and asked him questions, they didn't care about the answer. But what's funny is he always gave them answers that, that, that stumped them. And, um, and it showed his brilliance. And that's what's going on in this day in the text we're going to look at this morning, or one of the many texts, but um, that they, they were trying to mess Jesus up. They were trying to cause controversy for Jesus. So some religious leaders um, came to him, and this is what it says. In verse 13, it says, of chapter 12 of Mark, it says, Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him, and those would be religious leaders, in order to trap him in a statement. So look at, right out, shoot, they're not doing this, they want to learn. They're doing this because they want to try to to get Jesus, to get him, um, to to make him look like he's, um, he's invalid. And so verse 14, says, They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Now, here's a little sidebar. Don't be so flattered when you're flattered. <laughs> so these guys are flattering Jesus, but they're just trying to, they're trying to get him. They're, they're starting off, oh, you're so wonderful. And it says then, um, end of verse 14, is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we so imagine people in the culture were arguing, should they pay taxes to the government? 
never heard that argument before, have you? You know, defund. No, let's not get into that. Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at, which is a coin, a Roman coin. And they brought one, and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is on it? So whose face is on it? And they said, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at him. So he just, he confounded him them with this answer, and it didn't at all trap him in any way. Instead, he just showed um, something. He showed, I think this is what he showed. He showed, number one, he's brilliant. But he revealed something in his conversation. I think this is the right starting point. Um, and I'm just going to kind of lay an introduction here, and then we're going to talk about some things together. He revealed a starting point. Then I'm going to say it this way, that everything is spiritual. And some people do this. They divide the world into secular and sacred, as if making money is secular. And well, that's a, that, well, you shouldn't talk about that in church. That's a secular issue, as if making money is secular. And well, that's a sacred. Let's talk about praying. That's a sacred issue. Well, Jesus is showing something here. Everything Jesus talked about was, was sacred because the world is sacred. And Jesus comes here, and he looks at it, and he says, okay, where should you do with your money? Um, hey, pay your taxes and give to God what he owes. He's saying all of it for the, for the follower of God is an act of what a follower of God does. It's the right living of a, of a Christian. He's real, revealing that, that this is not an unspiritual topic. Jesus, the Son of God, is sitting here dealing with, do you pay taxes? He's saying that's a topic that should be considered as we live in this world. What's the right way a follower of God should live in our world? And he's saying, hey, you should pay your taxes. So for over the next three weeks, we're not going to talk about paying taxes, but for the next three weeks, we're going to look at three different topics that are tied to finance. The same way Jesus was not afraid to deal with any topics when it came to finance. He just they asked some questions. He gave them brilliant answers. Um, so we're going to look at three things. This week, we're going to talk about the wise use of money, and it's going to be from a Christian perspective. And that's, then this is the real reason we, we said we needed to do this topic. And we need to do this time, take us take side time of three weeks, because we've seen that there was kind of COVID's revealed that, that there's some learning. There's some that, that Jesus gave some principles, and the Bible gives some principles. We got to talk about those principles. Um, so that's going to be week one. Week two is we're going to talk about work as worship. And it's going to be so it's such an important topic. It literally that one can change your life. It can change how you approach um, five or six or seven days a week of your life. Um, if you see worship work with a proper understanding, the biblical proper standing of work, um, you'll understand the real purpose is to worship God. It'll change how you go to your job every day, and you'll be a better employee, and you'll be a lot happier person. Um, and then the last one we're going to talk about is biblical generosity, um, because um, Scripture talks about it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, that's not because God wants your money. God doesn't need our money. What's, what are the streets of heaven made out of? gold okay god doesn't need our money the dirt in heaven is gold he owns a cattle on a thousand hill he owns the world it's his he doesn't need our stuff he wants our hearts and he wants our us not to be chained to this world that is literally dying and perishing right before our eyes sometimes it's more revealed than other times and he just understands that generosity breaks us free and greediness holds us back and, and hinders us, and so we want to talk, spend one day talking about um, biblical generosity. And so um, that's, that's where we're going from now. So let me ask you a question, Pastor Mitch. What do you think COVID-19 has exposed or revealed about people's finances? I think one of the things that we've discovered in America is just this idea that we haven't saved enough. And so when we come to situations like a pandemic where the world shuts down, all of a sudden we are left scrambling. Um, and so I think that's one of the big things that, that kind of came up and it, it caused us to even just kind of look, okay, we need to just make sure that we're prepared for whatever may come. And, um, you know, we've been pretty fortunate throughout this time, but we had to really just take a look and say, where are we? Are we prepared can we meet our obligations? All those types of things. And, and so, you know, what it exposes is that if you don't have that, 
there's a lot of like anxiety and stress that all of a sudden it's full tilt and it's in a sense it's game on like we gotta we gotta figure this out and the stress runs amok so fear we watched and a lot of people fear and panic just shoot to the roof Mm -hmm. immediately right and the reason was there was no people had no reserves right you know so we as a church you know Everybody was predicting that was going to happen is the church was going to collapse. Giving would go below 50%. So week one, day one, we sat and said, how can we do it? And we, because we keep reserves as a church, right. we're like, hey, we can weather this thing for a long time. Right. And then we looked at ourselves personally and said, I looked at my life, sat with my wife and go, hey, what happens if this, that goes down? Our salaries go down. What do we do? And we look, okay, we have reserves. We, mm-hmm. can, we can last a long time. Right. And so it was one of the things, we're going to talk about that in detail in a while, but so one of the things that re- revealed mm-hmm. was people have very little reserves. Matter of fact, um, week, well, week one, you know, the government comes up with these. Being, there was a, a statistic that came out. I don't know how the, you know, the government comes up with these because no one called me in the phone and asked me or called anybody I know on the phone. But the statistic was this, that, that the, by week two of the COVID shutdown, that 30% of people in America who rent could not pay their rent. So basically they missed one paycheck and they could not pay their rent. So one third of all people in America, it said, could not pay their rent the very first week or first two weeks of when this COVID thing hit. So that exposed something about a weakness that we can have. So that's one of the things that exposed. What else did it expose? I think it also exposed just the level of debt that people have and that, you know, we in America just, we like living the life that we do, but that causes us to go into debt. And so um, as preparing for this as well, just trying to look at, okay, what are some of the statistics out there? And just looking at, so the Federal Reserve put out, puts out a monthly uh, bulletin on where are we as far as consumer credit. And as of March 31st, which was kind of the last ones that they had, they said that the total consumer debt, which, and this does not include like your mortgages and your real estate, in America, we have $4.2 trillion in consumer debt. So this is credit cards, student loans, auto loans, boat loans, you, you know, those types of things. $4.2 trillion. And if you would, and one of the things that they also do then is they go and they say, what is that per person? So we have over 330 million people in America. And so they just say, per everyone, whether you were just born or not, this is what the average is. It is about $12,600 per person. And you imagine, so if you have four in your family, you've got $50,000 of debt for your family on average. Not your house. Not, yeah, this doesn't include your mortgage. $50,000. I mean, for some, that is one year's salary. You know, for some, that's more than one year's salary. You know, and, and for, so if you're trying to now fund your house, and make sure that you're you can meet all your obligations. What do you do? Like all of a sudden, you've got fifty thousand dollars. Maybe half of your income just went away. Either one of you lost your job, your hours got cut, whatever that is. Now all of a sudden, now what do we do? You know, speak of stress and anxiety rising. There it goes. You know, it's going through the roof right then and there. And and that was just you know an amazing thing. You know, looking at some of the breakdowns of that. Student loans, and you hear about the student loan crisis and, and things like that, there's almost $1.7 trillion in student loans outstanding right now. And they look at it, you know, if you would divide it by the number of people who are enrolled in college right now, you're talking like $85,000 per person. Well, that doesn't include those who are out of school, but it's, you so know. It's, so it's actually less than that, but it's still a staggering number. It is a staggering number. Auto loans. And this does not include boats, motorcycles, RVs, $1.2 trillion in auto loans. You know, we're, we're, and we need cars, but sometimes we have overfunded what, what we can actually afford. Um, and our credit card debt, uh, $893 billion across the U.S., outstanding as of March 31st. You know, it's, it's, so, it's these staggering numbers, and each of us knows where our personal uh, finances are, and you know, it, it it's just staggering to think 
how much our country is in debt. And, you know, th- that's something that just has been revealed through all of this, is through, through COVID. Our savings are low. Our debt is high. Now what do we do? And, and so I think that's something that we just have to continually be watching and, um, and asking questions. And again, we're going to get to this. This is kind of just the revealing part. Mm-hmm, we're going to have three parts. We've got a little introduction. We're doing a little, what did we see? And now what's the Bible say? Yep. So we're kind of in this, what have we seen? Right. Um, but just to think about that, when you buy that next new thing on plastic, um, that you think will make my life better. What happens? Because you know there is another COVID coming. It might not be called COVID. It might be called whatever. You know the the, the, the world economy always does this. Right. We we have been led to believe it always does this. And America lived through a season unlike maybe any other country in the history of, of mankind, where for a very long period of time, especially post, most of us have lived through that climbing, climbing, climbing. There was a few little dips, but it really kept going. And most of us have lived through that. So we've been led to believe something that's really a lie, that the economy is stable. Well, economies aren't stable. They go up and down all the time. And the rest of the world experiences this stuff all the time. And so we're always buying stuff, you know, saying as Americans, oh, I can just, just charge it because I can, we don't look at how much it costs. We look at what's the monthly payment, right? right? And then what a COVID issue opens up the reality that, you know, we smack against the wall of saying, hey, I got all these, all these bills every month. I've got to make this much money. And a lot of that stuff was just stuff that we really didn't have to have. But we thought we would like. Right. Well, it was fine when the economy is fine. But what happens when the economy goes bad? So, so this exposed that. Exactly. A lot of people have tons of debt. They're paying, and they're, they're they're not just paying for the issue. They're paying the interest. Interest is what kills. That's one of the things we're going to talk about in a little while. Yep. So we found that savings was low. People have huge amounts of debt. And then there was one other thing that we really came to um, that we saw, and it's this: that a lot of people were well prepared. Right. And you know, in Ozaki County. You know, I say this all the time. You know, we're the the wealthiest county in Wisconsin, the 25th wealthiest county in America. And so this is a place of affluence. And so a lot of us um, were well prepared and lived by good principles and weren't living beyond our means and navigated just, just fine. You know, Portview Church, we have a principle. We The minimum we'll do in our savings is three months plus 15%. What that means is three months operating expenses plus 15%. That's the lowest we allow our, our, um, our savings to go. Now, things can happen where, where you have to go into the rainy day fund. That's why you have the rainy day fund. Exactly. But when it's not a rainy day and you're saying no, when you're trying to make decisions all along the way, because we're trying to be generous, we're always trying to give stuff away. Mm-hmm. So we're not ever trying to save to hoard. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to look at it and say, you know, we have, we have those reserves on hand. So it revealed that, that you know what? Um, we didn't stress. Right. Because we're like, yeah, this might get bad, but you know what? I think we said things like this. If we go down, the whole, the whole ship is sunk anyways. You right. know, it's like, there's no ships left standing. If we go down, yeah. the ships are all sunk everywhere, and we're all in the same boat together. So you know what? Let's just join the party, exactly. you know, at that point. <laughs> but, but we, you know, I think that revealed that we've made, we have good financial decisions. We've got, we got good financial minds around here who, uh, you know what? You want to know what you don't do around here? Don't ever spend anything and not have a receipt. He looks kind. Don't cross Mitch. And don't pay sales tax on anything. If you come back with a receipt and there's sales tax on it because you forgot to say, that's tax exempt. We're being wise with our money. We're being wise financial stewards. That's because And you know what? And that's when finances get to be fun. When you do it the right way. So, so that's what we've seen revealed. So now let's kind of shift gears and let's start talking about, so how do we live then biblically accurate? How do we live um, in financial freedom? And so one of the topics we brought up was the idea of savings and margin. Mm-hmm. This idea of, of that we should have savings. If I did a poll and said, should you have a savings account? I'm sure 100% of us would say, yes, we should have a savings. We should have savings. Um, if I said, do you have a savings account? That would be a different answer. You know, do we? But should I? So let's talk about some idea of savings. And, and, on, and the other side of that is, another way of looking at it is having financial margin. And I want to just, just kind of take a little diversion there for just a second. Margin, you understand what I mean by margin? Margin is, yours is easier, so you don't write all over your stuff. 
Margin is the white space around the printing. Margin is the white space on the top, the bottom, and the sides of the piece of paper. Life is like a piece of paper. Your life is written out, and you want to have white space around the black space, Mm -hmm. meaning you don't want to live, you don't want to pack 26 hours worth of activity into 24 hours. Matter of fact, you don't want to pack 24 hours of activity into 24 hours. You want to pack enough, only enough stuff in your life so you make decisions. You make decisions. You don't let life make your decisions. You do your best to make decisions so that you decide what's in by the, by the Spirit of the Lord. You decide what's going in the black space so there's margin all the way around, meaning I have time so that when something, let's say a really practical example about time, and this is something unforeseen happens, I have time to adjust. So let me give you a really practical example about time, and this is going to tie to money. I, and it's funny, a friend of mine who's a pastor called me yesterday. Um, he was in his church working, um, and he wanted to talk to me about a topic. And he says, let me guess, you're at home. And I said, I'm at home painting. He goes, I'm at home working on my sermon. He goes, and let me remember, your sermon's been done for a month. And I said, well, I always write my sermons on Thursdays. And on this Thursday, I write my sermon for not this next Sunday, but the Sunday after. So I already have the, my sermon written because next week I'm on vacation when Teen Challenge is here. My sermon's written for when I come back from vacation. That's called margin. So guess what happens? And this is this, this um, because maybe you didn't pick one up. When a good, wonderful man from our church like Roger Cross passes away. How much time do you think it takes to have to navigate through that to make everything work to do, the, to do a funeral? It's a lot of stuff. If I, don't have, if I don't have white space in my life, I can't, I can't adjust to that. I've I got to let something else go. Well, the way we live our lives, I live my life by margin and very disciplined so that when the unforeseen comes up, it doesn't knock me off my moors. I'm like, okay, I have margin in my life. I, can, I don't have to go on two hours of sleep. I have margin. I build it up. I say no to certain things. Finances are the exact same way. We build margin into our finances so that when an emergency happens, and I always laugh at people, I always say, your brakes on your car failing is not an emergency. You know you have to put gas in your tank? The same way you have to put gas in your tank, it uses out, you use your brakes and you use your tires. Those are emergencies. Those are things that need to be planned for. Those are called margin. So, so that's the idea of margin. So what would you say is a good rule of thumb for savings margin? So I think a standard principle is to have somewhere in that three to six months um, of expenses as part of your savings. You know, that is the goal because then that gives you that flexibility. You know, an event happens, a crisis happens, and now you're able to at least cover the first little bit. Um, You know, and it takes time to get there, you know. And Dave Ramsey is, is famous for saying, Get in, you know, as quickly as you can get like an a thousand a thousand dollar emergency fund. That way, you at least have something, and then you continue to work on building up to that three to six months of expenses. And you know, we're probably not at three to six months, but we're trying to to get back up to that level. You know, and and that's just where we're at. But if you can have that, that is a good solid financial principle that allows you the margin that you're looking for so that something happens, it isn't, oh, no, it's, okay, let's stop, and now we can really logically think through what do we have to do next. And I want to say from the beginning, we're talking about this. This, These are, um, these are wisdom issues, not law issues. Right. A lot of times people think the scripture, think biblically, think, okay, that's a law. God says you must do it. No, there's no text that says this. This is about wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's not about law. You know, the Bible tells us that the borrower is slave to the lender. Okay, Proverbs 22, 7, the borrower is slave to the lender. God wants his people to live spiritually and financially free. In John 8, 8, 8.36, it says, so whom the Son is free is free indeed. So understand, this is all about living the way God wants us to live. It's about living in freedom. That's what this is about. Financial freedom is just as important as spiritual freedom. And we're going to talk about that. It's just as important. So God gives us wisdom. He says, I don't want my people to live in bondage. And we see that in the nation of Israel, right? That's the whole idea. You know, set my people free. Can you sing that better than me, right, Robert? You're Uh, not going to. If I knew that one, yeah. Okay. 
Um, so I think, I don't know what that's from. Yeah. Maybe from Veggie Tales, I'm not sure. Maybe. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, but um, their wisdom issues that say God does not want us to live in, in bondage. And if he doesn't want me to live in spiritual bondage, he surely doesn't want me to live in financial bondage. So you're saying three to six months is a normal um, goal to shoot for. Yes. Now let's think about that in terms of the season of life we've just gone through. So we just lived in a season of life where um, you all got a stimulus check. And you know what? Um, when they gave the stimulus checks out, you know what they said why they wanted to give them out? They said it was because the money, here's where wisdom comes in, that people would just spend it on stuff. Now here's where wisdom comes in. Let's say you're shooting for the three to six months savings, you didn't lose your job, so your income has stayed the same. And also this, because, we're just using this example, because of the COVID crisis, you're not going to the Dells on the weekend. You're not going shopping for recreation. You're not, um, you know, spending money on gas because you're not going anywhere. Even though gas was like free, I filled up twice for under a dollar a gallon, you know. You're not doing all those things. So you're spending less, and all of a sudden you just got in your family $1,200 per person and every 500 bucks for your kids. So people got, you know, 1200 2400 30, you know, 3000 whatever dollars. Here's where wisdom comes in. Do you say, man, but I really want that new flat screen TV. And this is what people say. God provided the resources. Look at that, Pastor Mitch. God provided for me. Well, guess what? Let's take it back to the brakes. The brakes in your car are going to go out. Mm -hmm. So do you have a savings account that accounts for the fact that it needs to have a fund or at least big enough that it accounts for your broken down car? Right. So instead of spending the money when you get it, which is the American way, right. you put that in your savings account. You take the opportunity when they come to try to build your savings up. And so, you know, that's just a really easy example for what we just went through. And my, my question would be, in America, how many people realized they had no savings didn't because, remember, a lot of people have lost work. But right now, 87% of people are still working. Right. 87%. And it's the highest unemployment has been forever. And right before this, we were at the lowest unemployment forever um, three months ago. But 87% of people are still working. So 80% of the people in the economy weren't touched by this. And they actually have more money. Mm -hmm. Did our savings go up? That's a wisdom issue. It is. And, it, you know, it is one of those things like what are you going to do with the stimulus money that comes your way? Because we've also, during this time, so we noticed how many things pre-COVID were we buying that we didn't necessarily need. Um, they were nice things to have, but we didn't necessarily need. So... Not only did we get a stimulus check, which helped us to increase our savings, we were spending less. You know, we, didn't, we weren't spending money on clothes for our kids or for ourselves because we didn't know, need to go anywhere. The only thing that we may have needed to buy was sweatpants during, <laughs> during that time. Bigger sweatpants. <laughs> Perhaps bigger sweatpants. Um, you know, and even so, Micah, our 14-year-old son, he's growing like crazy. Um, and... We're, we're like, do we need to buy you clothes? Nah, I don't need any new clothes right now. I'm not going anywhere, you know. So it, it's those types of things where we're, we just found we're not spending as much. So we naturally could save a little bit and just kind of keep it and just say, are we going to need this for anything coming down the road? And that's the mindset because, you know, we're not going to hopefully never have another COVID thing and you're going to stimulus check. I hope we don't. You know, because, uh, you know, well, won't get into the economics of that. But um, there's, there's situations in our life that arise. You get, the, you get the tax return at the end of the year. Do you buy a camper with it or do you put it in your savings when you don't have three to six months savings? It's a decision that we, they're all decisions we make. And here's why it matters. Because that, that M word we used earlier, margin. Mm -hmm. A lack of margin brings incredible stress into your life. You want to make your marriage easier? Most of you in here are married. You want to make your marriage easier? Have financial margin in your life. Mm -hmm. Believe me, 
I get to sit on the side of the desk when people come in and talk to me about their problems. Um, the number one problem that causes issues in marriage, number one, is finances. Number one issue is, is money. And so if you, if you take the strategic opportunities that you get, so you get the tax return back, you get the stimulus check, whatever, you got the birthday money. Just because you got the birthday money doesn't even mean you have to go buy a new fishing pole. And honey, you can never have enough fishing rods, and you know that's true. But you don't, you can't. It's impossible. It'd be impossible to have too many fishing rods. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, so I take it back. Just because you got money doesn't mean you um, So So anyway, but just because you got money doesn't mean you need to spend it on something that, but I've always wanted it. Because here's the deal. That'll last for five seconds. But the stress you feel with not having financial margin in your life will literally cause you to scream and yell at each other. Because oftentimes when arguments happen, the issue is not the issue. You're arguing about whatever, this happened, you dropped the plate, whatever. You're arguing about you, you looked at me wrong, you know, whatever. Um, but the real issue is you're under so much pressure because you're trying to figure out how am I going to pay off the credit card and the student loan and the car loan and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so the, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself in your life to reduce stress in your life is create margin in your life. Now, it doesn't happen today. I always tell people, people come to me and they have problems about issues, financial or otherwise, and I'll, I usually ask this question. I just asked this question to somebody recently. How old are you? And it was a lady. You're not supposed to ask that question, right? How old are you? And they told me their age. I said, so it took you this many years to get in the spot you're in, right? It's not going to be fixed in five minutes. I'm not going to fix your problem today. But I can help put you on a pathway to fix your problem. And so if you want your marriage to be, you want to raise your kids with, with less stress, you create, you create margin. And that comes to the, 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 all the other decisions you make. What do I have to have? Most of the things we say we have to have, we don't really have to have. We just want to have. Right. And I think that is a key point there as well is we're, we've, in our culture, we are so acclimated to, I really want that. You know, like the new iPhone has just come out or the new, you know, Toyota Camry or whatever your car of choice is, you know, I want... That'll be a Toyota Tundra. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) But whatever it is, you... We have this like insatiable need to have that new thing. And if we would live a little differently and just say, but I don't need that right now, I can save up for that. Or yes, I can, I could have it now, but I don't have the money right now. And so now I'm going to have this $500, $1,000 per month obligation to pay this off for the next five years. Do I want that stress? And you know, that's one of the things I had to learn, you know, growing up, we were very poor. Uh, my dad was a, a minister in small towns and so family of five, you know, and, and so they would put it on the credit card. And so I found that was the model that I started to follow initially. And I had to learn very quickly. That's not a good solution. And so I made that change, and so I brought some debt into our marriage, and so it was a little tight for us initially, but when we could get out of that, and now I'm very, well, I try to be very regimented, not perfect, but try to be very regimented about what we do, and we talk about any purchases that we're going to make, and even still, yeah, there's that, that even with that uh, framework, there's still kind of that desire to, but I want that, and so... A lot of times it's a matter of why do I want that? What is it, what is it saying about what me? What hole is it trying to fill? Yeah, what hole is it trying to fill? That's a great way to say it. Of, you know, why do I want that? Why do I feel like I need that right now? You know, I'm three versions behind on, on my phone. You, you know, I, the, I, I've got the Galaxy. I'm not an iPhone person. You know, so I'm on the S7. We forgive you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. I'm glad there's grace here. Um, that... You know, they're on the S20 now. I'm on the S7. You, you know, so it's those types of things, and I'm okay with that. I've, 
Do I want that? Yes. I would love to have the, all the bells and whistles. But I'm good with not having it right now. Margin is more important than having it. Yes. Now, you just tested, hit another issue. We're going to deal with it in a second, but we're actually running out of time. So. Oh, yeah. um, this is a parenting opportunity. Mm-hmm. When we were discussing what we would talk about, we thought the importance of talking about parenting right here, that the way you learned how to live your life financially was by watching your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. When, when, they got, when they wanted it, they didn't have it, they just put, put it on a credit card. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised um, in a home also with just a very lower middle class home. And my dad, it's interesting, different, your different kids learn different. So just because you parent model it properly doesn't mean your kids are going to listen to you. Who knows that? Your kids don't always listen to you, right? In- Mark, don't get behind the eight. But my dad had a phrase all the time. He would always say this. He'd say, Mark, don't get behind the eight ball. And what he meant, does anybody know what he's referring to? Don't get behind the eight ball? He meant don't get in debt. He would say, don't get in debt because you spend your whole life paying debt. You say, don't get behind the eight ball, meaning that when you get behind that thing and it starts rolling at you, you can't run fast enough to keep up and think of a boulder rolling down the hill after you. You can't run fast enough to keep in front of it. And so I always listen to that. So I, I always, so I've had a credit card since I'm 18 years old. And in my entire life, I've not paid one penny of interest on a credit card. Not a dime. Um, and it wasn't, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Wasn't raised, it was just my dad saying, Mark, don't get behind the eight ball. You know, my brother and sister completely disregarded everything my parents said, went the other direction, and they've been trying to fix it their whole lives, mm-hmm. you know. And so parents, this is a parenting issue. If you're modeling for your kids that every time you want the next thing or every time they want the next thing and you, and you get it for them, even though you don't have margin in your life, you are setting your children up for disaster, you are modeling for your children a lifestyle that they, in order to try to maintain it, will go in debt, and it's going to be, it's going to have no margin, and God wants us to live in freedom. They're going to live in bondage. So this is, this is a spiritual issue. We have the opportunity to train our children. We talk about our kids, and my children, you, you might think this is nuts. My children know everything I own. They, owe, they know how much I earn. They know how much I pay in taxes. They have their entire lives. They know everything about our finances. My, when we go away, we put our kids on our savings accounts and all our investments, and we don't have many investments but savings accounts, we put that on there so that we get killed in a plane crash in Germany, our kids just have full access to everything, and they still have it because we've taught them about, our, about finances their entire life because we want them to understand, and they are both... And this is just, you know, they could, they could have went either way. They're both going to, you know, graduate. Josh graduated from college debt-free. Brett, his, his one year to go, close your ear, plug your ears if he's here, one year to go, in his, or less than a year to go in his undergrad, it's completely paid for, and they paid for it all by themselves, and his entire master's is paid for. He's got all the money saved to do his master's degree. You know, Why? It's because we modeled wise financial principles for them their whole life. We're not paying for their school. They've paid for it. Now, I'm not saying that you know you, you can go through college debt-free. Not everybody can do that. Um, but it's, it's a parenting issue. I don't want my kids to live in bondage. I want my kids to live in freedom. I want my kids... You know what the number one reason... And we're jumping ahead. But the number one reason why people leave vocational ministry or don't go into vocational ministry when they feel called? The Assemblies of God just did a study on their 20,000 pastors. That's a pretty big sampling. What's the number one reason... It's burnout, right? Number one reason you leave ministry? Can't afford to stay in ministry. The number one reason. Now, it's a generally a low-paying field, but there's an old saying. Um, how's it go? When, you're, when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep is your downfall. So if you've lived a life where you've spent and you've made all kinds of obligations financially, um, and you've, you've done that, then when you, tr- you can't take a position, with low- the first question they asked Suzanne and I for our very first ministry, ministry position to plant a church in Marquette, Michigan, we were being interviewed by the church that was going to give us 20 people to start it. The first question, they didn't ask me if I was saved. They didn't ask me my doctrinal positions on anything. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't ask me anything. They didn't ask me if I had three wives. They asked me, how much debt do you have? That was the spiritual question that was the determining factor if we'd even go on with the interview. How much, because I said, you're not going to make any money. 
And I said, I don't have any debt. Came out of college. They said, well, you just got to go to college. And Suzanne, I've told you a story. She freaked me out. She goes, we have debt. And I said, what? I'm sitting at the table. I'm being interviewed by David Broberg. And I'm going, what do you mean we have debt? Well, um, we just charged something on our charge card. We owe $100, which meant we had a $100 bill due that month that we've never not paid every penny of our credit card off every single month. Just because Miss Honesty, who the worst thing she's ever done in her whole life, I always say the only thing she's ever done wrong in her life is she tore a mattress tag off one time that said, do not remove under penalty of law. That's the only thing she's ever done wrong in her entire life. You know, and so she said, oh, yeah, we have that. I'm like, I'm going to fell out of the chair. Well, it just meant the credit card bill that we used to probably pay for gas because we use credit cards every month to pay for everything because we're disciplined and we want the points. I want the money. She's like, oh, we're in debt. No, they put that Costco bucks back all the time. And so, so she's like, oh, we're in debt. No, the credit card bill just wasn't paid. It wasn't due. <laughs> it wasn't due yet or it would have been paid. But um, so anyways, but that's the number one reason. So just think of the amount of, the amount of people who God's going to ask you to do something in your life, and the reason you would say no is because of financial bondage. That's not freedom. God, Jesus died to set us free in every area of our life. And we, we just, we, we separate our worlds, um, sacred and secular, and we go, oh, that's just sacred stuff. That's praying. Secular, oh, that's money. No. One of the most empowering and limiting also spiritual principles in your life is your use of money. And imagine this, that a lot of you are in spots where you're going, Mark, will you shut up already? We're well past this. I'm like seasoned. My kids are gone. I got tons of money in the bank. Well, then think about it. What can you do with the resources that you have? That, you know, that's why we're going to talk one whole, one whole time on generosity because generosity, the gift, the greatest joy of, Christ, of, of Christian living is generosity. You know, so we're going we're to talk about that. So um, I'm going to jump ahead of you some stuff here. Go ahead and say something. <laughs> yeah, uh, just to kind of echo what you were saying about ministers. I know when we were, you know, so I had a secular job. I worked at Johnson Controls um, even when we first started here. And the discussion that Amy and I were having when we did this is, our, you know, we felt called that it would be full-time ministry at some point. So we knew that we were going to have to, in a sense, look at our finances and get to a point because we knew we would be making less money when we stepped into a ministry position. And so we had that mindset, okay, we're going to make these changes. So we took our, you know, we lived in a home in Menominee Falls when we first started here. And we knew that we were going to have to get a different home um, so that our mortgage would be a little bit more right-sized. We weren't behind, but like we couldn't sustain that. And so with a pay cut, with a pay cut. And, you know, so we knew it was going to be big and, you know, it was, it was 60% of our income was gone once, once we came full time. And so, you know, he was a CPA with Johnson control and he quit that to come to the church. Yeah. And so, you know, we made that decision going into it saying, okay, we want to be wise with our money. And we did fine. But we didn't have a lot of reserves then once some of those things happened. And a year into being a minister's salary, we got hit with a, a several different bills. And it, all of a sudden, we're like, you know, oh, no, what are we going to do? And, you know, we just had to kind of methodically work our way through it. But it was it was a struggle. We didn't have a lot of reserves at that point in, in, in trying to uh, be in the right place. And I... I hear this voice from uh, a guy that we knew, Amy knew from Whitewater, and he was a, a military guy, and his phrase, and it always sticks with me, is proper prior planning prevents poor performance. And I, I think if I can have the proper planning ahead of time, I'm able to make those decisions. You know, Luke, in Luke, Jesus talks, and he's, he's talking about really the cost of being a disciple, but he says, and I think of this as, something that relates to finances. But, you know, if you're going to build a tower, you need to consider the cost in advance, whether or not you have the money to do that. And a lot of times that's what we need to do. And, you know, we're trying as we, excuse me, go through life. That's what we're trying to do. Do we have the money for this? Is this going to make sense for us to be able to do? So that you can live the spiritual life that you want to live. Right. 
follow God. So let me let two closing thoughts, because because we're in these two services now, there were, these are all betting that I couldn't keep sermons in the right amount of time. And we have to, we've got like two minutes. Two parting things. And, and this first one is a statement you just need to live by. And you need to teach your kids and your grandkids. Grandparents, we do not value the ministry of grandparenting. Guess what already um, my grandparents, my grandkids get already? Don't get behind the eight ball. Someday they're going to figure out what that means. I'm going to keep teaching them. I'm going to pound into my grandkids' heads every day because I want them to be able to follow God freely. And so I want them to live, and I don't want them to have a stressed life of undue stress. So I'm going to teach my grandkids every day of their lives how to live financially free. And guess what? At some point in my life, I hope I have the resources to also... F- so two statements. Number one, um, so that they don't have to be struggling in some ways that we did. So two statements. Number one, if you don't have the cash, you can't afford it. That's just the way it works. Now, there are some exceptions. You know, I have house mortgages. The general rule is it's okay to borrow money on an appreciating item. If it gets more valuable or it allows you to make money. So that's why you can sometimes, you can look at borrowing some money for school because it can allow you to make money. Or some people would put the idea of a car in there because it gets you to work. So if it allows you to make money, so a business loan could be all right. Um, but you don't go craziness. You could buy a, to get to work, you can buy a $10,000 car, use, or you can buy a $47,000 car because I always wanted it. What's going to give you more freedom in your life? And so number one, if you don't have the cash, you can't afford it. That's, that's the first thing. And the second thing is this, what I'm going to end with. All this talk about savings, you could say it could be fueling something in you right now. You have a hoarder gene. You have a fear gene that says, you know what? I just have to save it all. The world's going to come crashing down tomorrow. I got to save it all. I've lived by my financial principles my entire life because I heard it my whole life. Three or four times in my life, we have literally given up everything we own to go to a different ministry position and start completely over. And people thought we were lunatics. I was, I was yelled at by family members. How dare I do that to my children? Gave up everything. Now, one reason I could do that is I didn't have any debt, but gave up everything and started over from scratch. So here's the deal. Ultimately, God is your provider. But as, here's the, what we're trying to get at is he is a great, generous provider. And if we will take the provision that he gives us and we will use it wisely, we'll create margin in our life. Doesn't mean there's not going to be seasons where COVID hits and all of a sudden you lose your job. That's why you have the rainy day fund. But guess what? Like I said, if you have the rainy day fund and the whole world goes through the rainy day fund, well, we're all just in the same boat together anyways. But you don't have to have the mentality that I have to be a hoarder. I have to accumulate masses and masses of millions. No, that's where generosity is going to come in. But what it is is I I have enough. I have enough. It's enough. I have enough. And so now I can be generous on top of that. But... Don't think that you're going to protect yourself from the ups and downs of life by hoarding. Just amassing, you know, Jesus says we don't need to, we don't need to amass. This is not about amassing. This is just about wise financial living, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so God is our provider, and he may just call you to leave it all or, or take a 60% pay cut, you know, or take a, low, a lower paying career field because that's what he's called you to do. He will provide for you. But even in that, then, you adjust your life accordingly. Don't keep up with the Joneses. Be your own person. You're way happier when you have margin in your life. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray over you. Let's just join me in prayer this morning, and then we got to remember when we, kind of the new world order here, (laughs) you guys leave and we clean. Our cleaning team cleans, and then the next clan to a brand new clean church. And so... uh, um, a little different. Someday we'll get back to having times where we can come and pray and counsel and all that stuff. But right now, this is the best we got, right? So, Father, thank you that you are so generous. You have given us this world of abundance. And you told us to be fruitful and multiply. Lord, I pray that this church family, our church family, would be blessed beyond measure that we would be fruitful and in all areas of our lives we would multiply, we would, we would go forward, we would expand. 
And Lord, you've modeled that for us. You've given us your son. You are the ultimate giver. The most generous thing ever done in the history of humanity is you gave us yourself to die in our place. So Lord, help us now to learn. Help us how to learn how to be good managers of what you've entrusted to us. We don't want to be hoarders. We don't want to have too much. We want to use what you have for your glory. But we also want to be wise so that when the ups and the downs come, that we are um, not fear-filled, that we are trusting and we have reserves and we can make it through the small downturns. So Lord, help us to be good managers of what you've given us. Help us to use the finances that you have entrusted to us to live good. Use it to bless others and use it to live good and beautiful lives. So Lord, I pray now for my church family. We've been able to come together, meet in person, worship you, and now allow our minds and our hearts to be challenged a little bit just on this idea of finances. Lord, bless Bless everyone. Some of those who are saying, I need to get, I need to just build up a savings. Lord, give them the, the wisdom and the discipline to be able to, to say, I need to do that before I buy anything else. Some, Lord, who are just struggling to get by, help them to get a better job. Help them, Lord, to get a promotion. Help them to get a raise. Help them to pay off bills so they don't have as much outgo. Be disciplined. And Lord, for all of us, help us not to see money as a God. See you as our Savior. And money just a tool that you use through us to provide for us and to change the world. So bless my brothers and my sisters now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Mitch, for joining me. Finances are fun. On the little logo, originally after fun, there was a bunch of question marks. It was finances are fun, and we decided last minute to take it off. Because they should be fun if we use wisdom. Amen? Let's stand together. Let me pray. I know I prayed for that. Let me pray a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful, wonderful day in Jesus. Look forward to seeing you online, 6.30, Facebook Live, and next Sunday with Teen Challenge. God bless you. Have a great day. It was fun.